0: Welcome back to the podcast on Binding the Bible. This is episode 176, I Never Knew You. And on the podcast this week, we will be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. We are nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we will have a couple of more episodes um, on the podcast before we're completely finished with this. But this week... I just want to look at a handful of verses. It's one complete thought by Jesus, somewhat of a disturbing thought, and maybe one that you have read before that has proven to be somewhat alarming to you. And that's probably for good reason. And so I want to be real honest with us today and just take the time to walk through this passage, what it might mean, why Jesus speaks these words to us, and how we can walk away encouraged, um, despite the fact that it is a bit daunting when we think about it. So without any more of an introduction, let's just get right into it. Before we get into the passage that I want to look at this week on the episode, I do want to draw your attention to the fact that today that I am recording this is September the 20th, 2023 and this is to date or to the day rather the five-year anniversary of unbinding the bible so i published the very first episode episode number one on the podcast september 20th 2018 i decided to launch it on my 40th birthday and yes, today, as I am recording this episode, I won't release it till the 21st, but I'm recording this on my 45th birthday, which is also the, the fifth year birthday of Unbinding the Bible. And so I do know that a lot of you have listened to every episode, and congratulations for that. Um, If I add up all the episodes in addition to the numbers, obviously this is episode 176, but there are, as many of you know, several, I think over 20 by the book episodes, which I don't label by a number. Um, oftentimes I'll do a throwback Thursday. Those aren't always numbered. Maybe they are some of the time. I have a few bonus episodes thrown in there, several sermons, which were special episodes occasion episodes. So this episode that you're listening to now is the 212th episode of the podcast. And that's exciting to me. Um, I had no idea starting out in 2018 that here we would be five years later. I had no idea that we would go over 200 episodes. I, I wasn't thinking about interviewing authors and meeting so many great people online and allowing you all to just listen in. On those conversations, Um, I did a little bit of research before starting the podcast and many statistics say that the majority of podcaster wannabes or podcast starters rarely make it past the seventh episode in their podcast. And so because of the support from people like you and the encouragement and the Lots of uh, information that I had boiling up inside me that needed a an a, an outlet. um I'm thankful that we went uh, beyond episode seven and well uh beyond that. And so again, I'm just kind of celebrating today. That's what this day' is all about um for me with with uh and my family we're we're celebrating my birthday, but it's also the birthday of unbinding the Bible and I may have said this before, I, I probably have on the podcast, although I know I, I talk about this with my friends and, and family members as well, but this podcast for me has really been um, an, an, an outlet is a good word for it, but it's deeper than that. Um, I've shared different times, my own personal uh, story, or I've shared some background, but I have always been afraid to speak what I'm really thinking because what oftentimes drives me in life is this deep desire to have harmony and peace and uh you know sanctity with the people around me and I I wonder at times if I were really to share my opinion would it disrupt that harmony and that peace in those relationships and oftentimes I don't know whether or not it would Because I haven't yet figured out exactly how to say it in a way that I think would be palatable to those who might disagree, but would give us the opportunity to have discussions. And so this podcast for me was the platform that I needed to work through hundreds and thousands of thoughts in my mind that I wasn't quite sure how to say out loud. I wasn't quite sure what would happen in my life if people close to me knew what I really thought and I was not mature enough to have practiced that all that often. And I know that might sound surprising, especially since many of you know that I'm a pastor. I was a pastor when I started this podcast and I've been a pastor the entire 5 years. I'm a pastor today. Um but at the same time I was hesitant i was cautious i was timid i I mean i get paul's exhortation to timothy not to let them look down on you because you're young like i think timothy was a timid pastor in ephesus and paul's words to him were hey keep up with this keep up the good fight you need to be in this you need to be working out your thoughts and and expressing love to the people that you lead And so this podcast for me has been a huge blessing, not just because it gives me a chance to talk and let you listen to me, but it gives me the chance to think through deeply how I would go about presenting things that are quite challenging. And the biggest bulk of our podcast time together has, I'm sure you know, been going through the book of Revelation. And just this past Sunday, I have started... To teach in my church through the book of Revelation as well. I, I don't plan to do it for 80 plus episodes like I did on the podcast, but doing it on the podcast in this way gave me the opportunity to express my thoughts and work them out in a way that I think people who may even disagree can come to an understanding of who Jesus is and why following him is so life altering and so life changing. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you who are listening to this podcast episode for being a faithful listener, for engaging with me, for following me on Instagram or for sending me an email or dropping me an encouraging comment in, in some of the posts that I put online or just listening and being encouraged and sharing with a friend, here's an episode I think you would be blessed by. Unbinding the Bible only exists because of you. I'm not just speaking into the void, if you will. I really do picture many of you in my mind while I'm talking because it gives me a much better framework by which to try to explain challenging concepts. So I want to thank you. And I want you to join me in celebrating Unbinding the Bible's birthday. He's a big five years old now, and um, hopefully we'll see another birthday in a year from now. Um, Although I don't really know. um, As God continues to direct me and give me new thoughts and new insights, um, my, my, my ministry looks different all the time. And so I don't know, we might be here in, in year number six, but I'm celebrating where we are today and I'm thankful for how far we've come. And now we're ready to get into the content of this episode. So allow me to read Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, as I said in the introduction, this passage is a bit daunting. It's a bit scary. And I just want to say at the outset that it's probably not a bad idea to consider this passage daunting. It sounds on the surface that Jesus is going to look at many people who think they are walking closely with him and who they believe have walked closely with him, but who Jesus will say in the end, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. One of the things that I think is um, and why I've chosen the title that I have for this episode, is that oftentimes we think that what, um, well, let me let me back up. I taught a membership class several years ago in our church. and just to you know, rile up the members of the church and get them excited, I quoted um, A W. Tozer, who was a great writer from, um, you know, around the 1950s or so, maybe a, you know, a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, although Tozer lived in America and Lewis lived in in, in Britain. Um, but Tozer begins his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, by saying, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And Tozer went on to write an entire book based upon that statement. And I, I grew up in a Christian setting, as I've shared, and many people quote that line. Tozer is saying, I'm going to fill your hearts and minds now with the knowledge of the holy. Like, who is God? What is he all about? And that is fantastic. It's wonderful. I, I think that book is great. I've read it before. I know many, many people who have. But just for fun, I'd like to disagree with Tozer's opening line. And I think you'll understand why in a second, but I think it's much more important and it's much truer to say not what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. I actually think that what comes into God's mind when he thinks about you is the most important thing about you. And I say that from this perspective. When we are dealing with issues of identity, when we are dealing with issues of following after Jesus, what he thinks of us and therefore what we think of ourselves as a result of what he thinks of us is far more important than just what I happen to think about him. Because what I think about God And how that reshapes my life is inseparably connected to what is he thinking about me when I'm thinking about him. If that makes any sense to you, when I think about God, what I'm thinking about is a God who has first thought about me. And that radically reshapes the way I think about following him. Even Paul uses this language and then almost corrects himself mid-sentence while writing to the Galatian Christians. Listen to chapter four, verse nine of Galatians. This is so interesting by Paul. Paul says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? You know, this is fascinating, right? Paul under the inspiration of the spirit, corrects himself mid-sentence. Listen to this sentence again. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, Paul's doing the same flip that I think um, we're, we're needing to make with Tozer's writings, right? He says, now that you've come to know God, right? Tozer suggests what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. But then Paul shifts and says, or rather to be known by God. And so I propose that we rethink this and say, actually, what comes into God's mind when he thinks about you? is the most important thing about you. This is what Jesus is getting at when in verse 23 of Matthew 7, he says, I never knew you. Now think about this for just a second. This is why this passage should be somewhat frightening. What many people, Jesus says, will say to him in the end is, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. Did we not do these things? Did we not demonstrate to you our faithfulness to you? Did we not demonstrate to you how powerful and how mighty and these great kingdom works that we did? Did we not present to you this absolute proof and verification that we were faithful followers, that we were churchgoers, that we moved and shaked in the kingdom and we did these great things and Jesus boils down the entrance into the kingdom, which these people claim is rooted in their actions, he breaks it all down and he says, I never knew you. The intimacy with you as a person that I was after never happened. The character formation at the level of the heart that I'm interested in never happened. The deep, open, honest, vulnerable, raw, exposing heart relationship that I'm eager to touch and to change and to mold and to shape never happened. You never opened yourself up to me in that way. I didn't have the opportunity to get to know the real you You masked the real you by all of these great powerful things that you say you did in my name, although you never let me know you. This passage to me is actually a pretty powerful one in my own life because this is the passage that was read when my wife became a Christian. And her story is um, all over the place, but she um, would walk to her local church when she was in junior high and early high school. She had a lot of questions about the Bible and... um, went to a church um, one day and raised her hand when the uh, teachers were teaching her something about, about um, you know, how you should relate with friends in school. And, and they quoted something from the Bible and about not spending time with friends who might pull you down or drag you in the wrong direction. And she raised her hand and she said, well, that, that's fine and all, but that's not what Jesus did. So how do we understand the the difference here? And my wife spent a lot of her time reading through the gospels and trying to get to know Jesus. And she was told in no uncertain terms by her youth leader that if she's going to ask questions like that, then she's no longer welcome in youth group. And I know that that's a shocking thing to hear, but my wife simply said, oh, okay, so church isn't the kind of place where you can find answers to your questions. That's fine. I'll just go somewhere else. And she did. And during her high school years, she proceeded to explore pretty much every philosophy and every religion out there. Where is the place where questions are welcome? And where is the place that the answers to those questions help make the most sense of reality? Well, she didn't find anything, but she had a good time doing it. And so as she graduated from high school, her parents realized, oh boy, we really don't want our daughter to continue to go all over the place and doing her own thing, so were really wanting her to go to a college where she's going to get the the Christian faith. And so they more or less forced her by uh, an arrangement to go to a college. And if they do, then uh, or if she agrees to go, then they'll pay for it. Uh, But if she doesn't, then she's on her own. So she went reluctantly and was sitting in a chapel service one day at this Christian college doing homework, which she says she always did in the chapel services because she didn't care so much uh, for what the speakers were saying. Um, But the The pastor, the speaker got to this passage and he read this and said, you know, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. And she said, she wasn't really even paying attention, but all of a sudden she realized, wait a minute, if there are people who have done those kinds of things, And I've never done anything like that before. And those people aren't welcome in Jesus's presence. Where does that leave me? And she said in an instant, she was awakened to the reality of who she was and where she had been going and the things she had been exploring and instantly felt convicted instantly broke up with her boyfriend, went out and began to look at hanging out with different friends and forming different relationships because she realized, I want what this pastor is talking about. I just don't even know where to begin. And so when I read this passage, I realize you can receive this in any number of ways. And so what I want to do is I just want to talk for just a second about what Jesus is teaching here. Why does he say, Lord, Lord, and many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? He says to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, Now, that's kind of an interesting phrase, you workers of lawlessness, but think about these words for just a second. Lawless means, you know, basically you workers of lawlessness are you people who live as though I never gave you a law to follow. Now, this is interesting. What is the law, quote unquote, that he gave us to follow? Well, it's fascinating, but it's the entire Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to notice, if you will, that none of the praiseworthy things that many people will say to Jesus they did in his name was mentioned even once by Jesus as significant in his kingdom. Not one of them. What we have here is a list created entirely from man himself Comprised of things that look and sound impressive to us, but not to God. God has told us what impresses him. And it has nothing to do with these outward displays of power. It has nothing to do with jostling for control. It has nothing to do with being a mighty powerhouse of casting out demons or performing miracles or whatever else it happens to be. Now, depending on the context in which you grew up, I told you before I grew up in a Baptist context and people didn't cast out demons and we rarely thought that miracles were even a thing today. But you've heard of variations of these things over the years, right? Man-made ideas that sound impressive to us, but not so much to God. And things that I believe many people, according to Jesus, on that day will look to those things, as evidence that they deserve a place in his kingdom. And what will he say? I never knew you. I've bumped into some over the years who think that because they speak in tongues, they have attained a higher status than those who do not speak in tongues. I've received from some on occasion pressure to speak in tongues. Um, And then others I've heard who simply do not even listen to another Christian Who doesn't claim to speak in tongues because they don't feel that that person has the Spirit's anointing to the same level that they do. That's super unfortunate, right? Because Jesus never once spoke about speaking in tongues, not once. There's other people who think that they have served the most in the church. And so if they serve more than somebody else does in the church, that ought to count for something, right? Or those who give the most money or are involved in the most committees or who volunteer the most in their communities. Um, Sometimes it's just, I show up at church the most. I read my Bible the most. I attend the most prayer meetings. I pray the most during the day. It doesn't matter where people place these things. It's stunning to me just how many of them are centered entirely around what we think looks and sounds impressive, but actually has nothing to do with what God has said he's impressed with. Sometimes members of my own church will even put me on a pedestal of sorts. They will ask me to pray for them, and then they will add, and I've heard this more than once, they will add something to the effect of, you know, because he hears your prayers. As if my status as a pastor grants me more access to Jesus than they have, which is absolutely not true. You know, So we do this all the time. We have these ideas that somehow... The pastors are closer to God, or somehow the people that cast out the demons are closer to God, or somehow the people who, when they pray and something happens, instead of realizing that the spirit has simply equipped them with potentially the gift of faith or potentially a gift of healing, it has nothing to do with them. The spirit distributes his gifts as he wills. It doesn't mean that in the end, I'm going to stand before God and say, look at all these great things I did. What God has always been interested in is us as people. And this is why this is a challenging passage for us. Because being involved in the big production, if you will, of Christianity with all the hustle and bustle and activity feels so much more productive and worthwhile and meaningful than forgiving a brother who has offended us or calling ourselves on the carpet for our lustful heterosexual looks every bit as much, if not more, than we criticize the culture for their homosexual expressions. Making sure we are voting for the right candidate and voicing our moral outrage at the state of our country seems to express our righteous zeal for God and His kingdom so much more than loving our enemies or refusing to judge someone who in our minds at least absolutely deserves to be judged or praying for those who persecute us and make our lives miserable by asking God to bless them and enrich their lives. It is amazing to me just how quickly and efficiently, we can get sidetracked regarding the types of things God desires to see cultivated in our lives and replace them with things that he never once suggested we strive for. Remember when the disciples themselves were discussing who among them was the greatest? Do you think comparing resumes regarding who had cast out the most demons ever made it into one of their discussions? And what did Jesus say in response in Luke 22? He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You see we love to be in positions over other people or over things or over circumstances or over situations because we imagine that from a place of power and authority and position we'll be able to make the most difference. But Jesus turns all of that on its head. He says that the kings of the gentiles live this way, but not so with you instead if we want to be great in the kingdom if we want to lead we need to become as the youngest and start serving in verse 27 of luke 22 jesus simply reminds his disciples but i am among you as the one who serves and in our understanding of kingdom life The things that we are going to offer to Jesus are the things that Jesus has offered to the world. And what is the greatest blessing that Jesus has offered the world? It is his intimate, close, personal, vulnerable relationship with his father. His abiding with his father His listening to his father's words and going where his father tells him to go and saying what his father tells him to say. In Jesus, we see what God is actually like as a person. And in Jesus, we see that deep communion with the Father. We see his compassion and his kindness and his care. And we know that if we want to be known by him, we have to allow him to know us. We get to know Jesus by allowing him to get to know us. And what he is ultimately all about is everything we've looked at in the Sermon on the Mount. He's interested in our hearts. He's interested in our motives. He's interested in our fears and our concerns and our insecurities. And he wants those insecurities to be rooted in him so that we begin to find our security rooted in him. Sky Jatani in his book, um, What If Jesus Was Serious, says throughout the Bible, God's will is identified far more often with acts of compassion, mercy, and love than with impressive displays of power. And I think that one statement sums up the entire reason why Jesus speaks these several verses. We need to be reminded that to be known by Jesus is to have invited him into the deepest parts of our hearts and lives, realizing that it is possible That in his name, we seek to do a lot of mighty works, which in the end will be shown to be nothing more than a cover and a self-protective way of not allowing Jesus to get to know us. That's somewhat scary to me is that we can put on enough coverings and we can cover over with fig leaves as Adam and Eve once did in the garden, those shameful, embarrassing, vulnerable parts of ourselves. But make no mistake, those fig leaves, those coverings can even be tremendous Christian things that we do in the name of Jesus thinking now we have a right to stand in his presence. Now he'll be impressed with us enough because of what he, we've accomplished in his name. Now he will smile down upon us because he sees how seriously we take his kingdom. Now he will bless us in ways that make our lives full, full of, of hope and enrichment and excitement because we've shown him our loyalty. We've shown him our zeal. And what will Jesus say to many of them? I never knew you. We had no relationship. We didn't have an intimacy and a closeness and a trust that grew over time. Your character and who you were on the inside was never opened up to me. I never got a chance to really get to know you on a deeper level. You never let me in. And so what is eternity spent in a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus? What is the value of that in the first place if we don't have any desire to engage in that now? Him saying to many, depart from me, I never knew you, will be a shocking wake-up call to, in Jesus's words, many people. Now that is not meant to scare you what that is meant to do is free you, free you from the bondage and the pressure and the, you know, well, pressure, I guess, is maybe the best word I can think to use, but the pressure to have to perform, to have to convince him that you are really serious this time. No, what he wants is the relationship. And what I want to encourage you with on this five-year birthday of Unbinding the Bible is that what Jesus wants is you. He doesn't want your service. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your dedication. He doesn't want your commitments. He doesn't want, sadly, lots of things that pastors and other Christian leaders tell you to give to Jesus. What Jesus wants is you. He just wants you. And guess what? If he has you, he'll get the commitments and the determination and the service and the obedience. But if we think he just wants those things, we can be holding back our actual selves, holding it in reserve, keeping it to ourselves and not opening up our, our own hearts and lives to him. Great displays of power, great displays of courage, great displays of bravery, and yet they've left their hearts reserved, hidden away out of Jesus' healing touch. That doesn't do anyone any good. And life in the kingdom is all about being known intimately by Jesus. Because the most important thing about you is what comes into God's mind when he thinks about you. You are a special creation of his, made in his image, marred by sin, yes, but one who invites you back into his presence through his son so that he can get to know you, so that he can embrace you, so that he can welcome you, so that he can pour blessings out on you, so that he can forgive you, so that he can cleanse you, and so that he can heal you. That's the invitation that Jesus offers to everyone. And that's the invitation that I desperately want you to embrace so that we will be known by him and welcomed in the end into his presence forever. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It's been a fun week from my end as well, celebrating a birthday. And I hope that you're having a fantastic September as temperatures are beginning to get a little cooler. The fall is, is my personally my favorite season. And so I hope that you are having a great great life and a great time. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to reach out at unbindingthebible at gmail.com, I'd love to hear any comments or thoughts that you have. You can also find me at the Unbinding the Bible podcast on Instagram, or you can follow me on Facebook, um, just Joshua Yoder. You'll be able to find me that way. So if you haven't yet left me a rating or a review, I would love it if you would do that on whatever podcast app you choose to listen to these episodes. And I hope you have a fantastic week and that you are appreciating more and more who Jesus is and how much he loves you. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.